Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, whatever part of the world you are tuned in from. This is Funny Like a Clown podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Worth, December 10th, 2022. As always, today's episode is brought to you by G Vegas Buffalo Sauce. For the spicy, sweet, savory taste of game time, there's only one G Vegas. Go to www.gvegas.webs.com. Get it shipped right to your door. Go green, go fresh. Put the whammy jamma in your mouth. Um, as the listeners know, we discuss comedians here, and we got a big name to discuss today, Mr. Weird Al Yankovic. To do that, I have on guest Mr. Ken Purdy. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thanks, Dennis. Well, nice to see you. Well, thank you for being on. Um, like I said, we discuss uh, mainstream comedians here on the show. I sent you over a list of about 20 comedians. I said, pick one, and you picked Weird Al. What made you pick him? Well, I've been a Weird Al fan from way, way back, even before his first album, which was in 3D, which was his original, air quotes, debut album. He had a, actually had an album before that one, and that's where I became a Weird Al fan, which I think it was just called Weird Al Yankovic. Okay, let's see. So he's known for his parody songs, obviously, which we all know, and his trademark accordion. He's had songs played on the Dr. Demento show as far back as 1976, which kind of dates us all if we're all fans. And he started in 1976. That makes us old, I guess. But uh, Yeah, yeah. I was only six at that time, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, me <you> both. <laughs> but um, at age 16, he sold more than 12 million albums. I mean... That's ridiculous to think a 16 year old, you know, you know, 16 year old kid. Yep. You know, he's getting his, his started out on the Dr. Demento show, went on to sell, sell 12 million albums after that. But uh, he's recorded more than 150 parody songs. He's performed over a thousand live shows, which I do stand up comedy. I mean, a thousand live shows, there's only 365 days in a year. I mean, that's quite the schedule right there. Have you, have you ever seen him live? Or I've seen him live five or six times. It is a great show that he does. What's what 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 what? Well, where have you seen him at? What what place do you remember? What's your I've name? seen him at Foxwoods. I've seen him at Mohegan Sun. I saw him at the Big E. I saw him at the Woodstock Fair. I saw him at uh, the Lowell Memorial, and I saw him up at uh, the Casino at Hampton Beach. Wow! So you're like a real big fan. You definitely get out for the guy, huh? Yep. And, right. and it's funny because the, the one concert that sticks out in my head so much was the Big E uh, concert because um, have you been to Big E concerts before? When I was a kid, I, my parents took me there. I have as an adult, but I do remember I took a helicopter ride there as a kid. It was the first time I ever flown. <laughs> it's funny because, um, you know, they let people in to see their main headliners. It's free, free of charge once you get in. And what happened was the stadium part had filled up with all these people. And there were probably a thousand people standing behind. And it's funny because everyone included in the front and the back, when he started singing Harvey the Wonder Hamster, just broke out. And that's all you could hear is probably two to three thousand people singing with him, Harvey the Wonder Hamster. Everybody chanting in with him, right? Yeah, that's that's the good part of a live show. You don't get that on like YouTube or nothing. You gotta be there to experience it live. Yep. 
All right, let's see. Uh, he's won five Grammy Awards and 11 nominations, which to win one Grammy says something. Four gold records, six platinum records, um, top 10 Billboard hit uh, with his album Straight Out of Linwood, which Linwood, California was where he grew up. Um, let's see. Uh, he is single. White and Nerdy off of that album was uh, the single that hit the Billboard top top hit i mean do you remember the first album you put out yep like i said it was his first album i believe it was just called weird al yankovic which he was playing on the dark to demento show and i believe that the first song that was a hit on that i think was another one rides the bus right i right. believe that was it was either that or my bologna well single single white single white nerdy was the first one that got played on on the show then yeah then it was what yeah my bologna then he did the tv show there was where he the local TV show where he first busted it out with another one yeah. rides the bus, but haven't we lost something? I mean, do you remember being young with your kids, with your kids, going with your friends, listening to a comedy album that maybe you shouldn't have been listening to, but your parents didn't know about it and just driving oh, yeah. around in your car cracking up. But now with all the free downloading, we don't get comedy albums anymore. It's all Netflix specials now. So. Yep. The yeah. first album that I remember that, and you probably are pretty close to it is, uh, Eddie Murphy's first album, Raw. I think that was the first album that I ever Delirious had was I... his first big one, yeah. Then he followed up with Raw after that. But yeah, yeah. When Delirious believe... came out. I think every yeah, everybody were our friends were just shooting quotes at each other. But yeah, yep. That was so definitely. How, how much have we lost? Do you think with all the free downloading? I mean, kids nowadays are never going to know the great comedy albums for the great Netflix special now. But oh, you you're not going to have that because you're only catching snippets of it where you're not hearing like the whole album you know what i mean like 20 or 30 minutes of there depending right. on if it was on cd or, or an album or whatever kids aren't really getting they're getting the five or ten minute snippets or like you said they're getting a netflix special where there's you got to kind of watch it you can't put it on a cd and put it in your car to listen to it over and over again and if you download it it's out of order it's not in the order it's meant to be listened to which takes something away yeah. Plus, a big thing, you lose out on the artwork, too. I always thought great artwork on an album was a great part of an album. And, you lose and it it's funny, because Weird Al's first album, he it was a picture of him in an iron lung that was hands-on. That was his first album cover. Really? Yep. You lose that. You don't get that nowadays. The kid's never going to own that. All right, let's see. Nope. 2014, his album, Mandatory Fun, debuted at number one, his debut week, number one album, first week out, so... That's saying that, something. That but. was a really good album. I liked that one. I believe that was his last contracted album with his record company. And he said after that he wasn't going to re-sign with any um company and then you know kind of put out his own stuff, right. which I think he's put like two or three things out since then. Though I know he released one, it was either late this week or last week. He released a new one. I hadn't heard it, but before that, it, I don't know if you heard it, the Hamilton Polka. The Hamilton. No, I know he released some polka stuff. I don't remember that in particular song. Yeah, he released it. I think it was last year, and it was in his polka style that he likes to do. But it was all about the Hamilton play. Oh, okay. And I and I believe it was called the Hamilton Polka. Yeah, because he's he's actually he's released some of his some original work. I mean, nothing obviously as popular as the songs that he covers, but he has no. released some some original polka songs. Yeah. Yeah, he takes basically, for those who don't know, what he does is every album that he released, he does what they call a polka song. 
And what happens is he takes the top 10 hits at, that are um, out at the time, and he just basically plays them in polka style. Okay. <laughs> so, like, you'll have a three-minute song with, like, uh, just for example, uh, it'll have all kinds, you know, like the big main chords of all the songs that are popular at the time when he does it. Right. And, well, I guess playing the accordion, you play a lot of polka growing up, so I guess it makes sense. I mean, it's something you can play, yeah. Yep. I remember his accordion teacher, yeah, he said he wanted to play rock and roll on the accordion, which he had to learn a different style in order to do that, because, I mean, most people don't play rock and roll on the accordion. No, they don't. They definitely do not. He, <laughs> he, I don't think anyone's done it since either. Probably not. He's an original <laughs> for sure. Well, here's another one kids are today are going to lose out on. Uh, the MTV video success just furthered his popularity once he got on there, which if yep. you were in the 80s, I mean, every kid was watching MTV. It was such a big channel, and they yep. lost because the Nielsen ratings, you know, you tune in and watch a video you liked, and if you hit one you didn't like, you, you'd walk, you know, click away where – Every other channel, you'd watch a half hour, hour show and stay tuned in. So that's why MTV got rid of the videos. But uh... yeah, and that was kind of a loss for MTV. I mean, for me, if I knew a song was, you know what I mean? That there was no way to find out what song was coming. So if I wanted to see the Weird Al, there was no YouTube back in the day. Right. So if I wanted to see it, we had to sit on MTV, even if we Wait. just left it on. Yeah, yeah. Right. There'd be marathons. You'd leave it all day waiting to hear your song, but. Yeah, uh, I guess money rules the world, and they went for the the money with the Nielsen ratings instead of what people wanted. But uh, as you mentioned, the the decline of MTV used most artists. Now they use uh, YouTube for their videos. So I mean, that's yep. like a ma a major platform now. Um, let's see. Uh, today's market, he would uh he would go for album singles rather than making a entire album yeah back then you'd buy the entire album just to listen to a couple songs and you you know listen to the rest of the album nowadays yep. when you download and you just download your favorite song you don't care about the rest so and like you said that kind of hurts um where they don't have the albums anymore where you're you know buying the individual songs where al he has a lot of songs that he wrote that are really really good that like you said they weren't hits but they were great that he wrote and it was just you know, you just don't get that anymore. Where you, you can that hear that. Well, yeah, downloading just the single, you don't get the whole album. But yep. All right, he went on to write and star in uh, 1989's UHF. Have you seen? Have you seen UHF? Oh, I've seen it probably a hundred times. I love that movie, The Twinkie well, what's Wieners. What's your opinion on the movie? I mean, you love you love it. Well, what are your favorite parts in it? I mean, uh, probably one of my parts favorite parts is especially you know this, and ever since I've uh helped at AOTV. I've been doing this since 2014. This is kind of like a takeoff of the small uh, mom and pop stations that you can see. Like I said, you did it with uh, Lemonster. I do it with AOTV. Yep. And you just see all those weird kind of shows that just kind of roll in, you know, like uh, Rolling Sciencemen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it kind of took that and run with it. And I kind of appreciate it more now, having been involved in it. It's, it's a great it. stepping stone. Yeah, I mean, it's free and available. So, I mean, make the most of it. Yeah. Yep, it is. It's and just seeing all, he did uh, spoofs of like commercials in that movie. Like they did the uh, the famous spatula city where you can go to this store and all you buy are spatulas or um, the clip that they did for Conan the librarian. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that was just a few things or uh, Stanley Spadowski's Playhouse. 
Do you remember that one? Where yeah, yeah, the... yeah. He was the guy from uh, Seinfeld. There played. Yeah, that it role. was. Uh, yeah. Yep, Michael Richards, and he had yeah, yeah. the the wheel of fish. Yeah, yeah. Where, where they play, <laughs> it's like oh, and it was. I can laugh every time watching the the segment on Wheel of Fish. It was one of those. If you got a weekend off from work, you'd sit home and watch it. Like you know, it's a great movie for that. But it didn't do that well at the box office. No, it didn't. It's more of what we call now the cult classic. Yeah, it's a cult following that he has. But they said the reason he he opened against some heavy hitters. I forget what the the movies were, but there was some it really was really heavy hitters. Uh, he was going against at the box office when he put it out. Yeah, that came out in '89. Yeah. So I can only imagine. I think about that time. It might have been Back to the Future and movies like that and if he was competing against them like you said that's there's no but if it was a good movie yeah you're going with the classics for sure right yep all right he's made two mockumentary of his own life uh the complete owl in 1985 and uh weird the al yankovic story just came out this year in 2022 have you seen either one of those or both or i did see the complete owl back in 85 but i have not seen uh the the newest one Okay, but now I've seen the newest one, but I didn't see the one in 85. So why don't you tell me, what do you remember about the one in 85? What was that? Well, you figure, what is was that, 35 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> Where it mostly talked about his life. I know it had some of his music videos up to the time that were on the um, on the, the tape. So not only did it have that, but it had all the, all the tape as well. Was it more um, of a documentary or an actual movie? It was kind of both. You know what I mean? You know how he did like um, in the 80s when he had Al TV on MTV? It was kind of a, of the same vein as that. Okay. And he, and he used it to throw like some of his music videos on at the time. I'm trying to remember. I think Living With a Hernia was on there. I think Eat It, Eat it was on there. I don't remember the other ones though. All right. Now the Weird Al Yankovic story, which if people don't know, that started out as years ago, they made a little... Uh, Oh, what was it? Funny or Die? That was a big thing at the time. They yep. made an original little clip about a Weird Al movie that was never going to be made, okay? Yeah. Just to get the fans interested, okay? And now the little clip that they made, they made like a trailer for a movie that was never going to be made. The trailer became so popular that the yep. fans demanded they actually made the movie. Everybody knew the movie was going to be made, but the fans demanded it get made. So finally, power of the people, they got the movie made. Uh, I did watch it, and it's one or more of those. It's a corny funny rather than you know, actual funny. I I haven't had a chance to see it, but I want to see it with uh, Daniel Radcliffe as as Weird Al. That yeah, just yeah, looks he did a good insane. job. I mean, it was it was it was a good, it wasn't accurate at all as to actually how Weird Al came to be. It was kind of more backwards, but I mean that was part of. I, the, I think know, they the, said when they made it that was the plan it was going to be a poke at al's life it wasn't going to be all of his real stuff yeah it wasn't accurate at all i mean he was putting out that he put out uh he put out eat it before michael jackson put out beat it and michael jackson copied him again. <laughs> it was kind of a twist like no that ain't how it happened but yeah <laughs> I know. uh let's see now you mentioned it uh ltv special on mtv where he did some uh voice acting television and some web content too but what do you remember yep. about the MTV Weird Al show? Uh, what I remember about it is that's where we first saw um, a lot of times when you knew it was coming on, he would have his um, his videos on there. And he also did fake interviews. I don't know if you've ever seen those where he brings up a question, but it's a clip from another interview that someone did. And so he'll ask like ridiculous questions and then pull the real clip in. 
and you know, like Mick Jagger saying something, and the question Al asked would be totally outrageous. Well, but the clip they brought answer. in was what he actually said to another question. Right, right, right. It is so funny. Well, there's a lot you can do in editing nowadays, that's for sure, to make stuff funny. It's a that's yeah. an arch form in itself. Uh, here's one I did know about him, but he's written two children's books. Uh, yep. When I Grow Up in 2011 and My New Teacher and Me in 2013. Did you know he wrote children's books? Yes, I did. Did you know that he also did, it's a really hard thing to find, he did a rendition of Peter and the Wolf. Really? And it was an album that he did. It is really hard to find because people didn't think of it at the time that, you know, Al doing uh, Peter and the Wolf. But if you can find that, that's worth a few bucks. It yeah, was just something... goes to show you, I mean, even as big a star as he is, he's got other interests, you know, to put out children's books that, that yep. he has other interests in life than just parody songs. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so let's see, for his seventh birthday, a door-to-door -door salesman offered his parents guitar or accordion lessons at a local music store and uh he his parents chose the accordion because they were convinced it was going to revolutionize rock and roll over the guitar which as we know the guitar went on to revolutionize rock and roll not the <laughs> bad choice yeah. by his parents but it turned out good for him uh yep. he said he took uh lessons for three years then he went on his own have you ever tried the accordion ken no, the only instrument I've ever tried is the guitar and yeah. the trombone back in Elm Street School with uh, Mr. Darby. Okay. That was, that was my musical and it didn't go very far. <laughs> I actually, I took up the guitar when I was young and I was starting to get really good at it and I upgraded yep. it. I got an old guitar, I upgraded and bought an expensive guitar and a week later yep. my girlfriend told me she was pregnant. So. Away went the guitar <laughs> off the work. I went. I never touched it since. Who knows? Yep. I could have been a great guitarist. Who knows? We'll never know. But uh, let's see. Al said he's a big fan of Elton John, and uh, that was uh, why he learned to play rock and roll on the accordion because Elton, Elton inspired him. Uh, he was a big fan of Mad Magazine, Monty Python, and George Carlin. I mean, you a big fan of any of those that we grew up on? Oh or? yeah, I, all of them. I mean, we used. I used to stay up. If you remember. Uh, the old Monty Pythons used to be here here in uh, Massachusetts. It was on Channel 2 PBS. But they were on Friday nights from 11 to 12. I'd wait for the parents to go to bed and then watch <laughs> Monty Python. Yeah, Only yeah. because it's, it, for those who haven't seen the Monty Python Flying Circus, at times it's very risque, I guess you could call it, where it shows, you know, female nudity and stuff like that. Yeah, if you got late night, you could see that stuff. They'd edit it out if it was during the daytime, though, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Monty Python, George Carlin, all of those, again, growing up, some great comedy stuff. Yeah, even Mad Magazine. I remember everybody sketching out on the notebooks, you know, in school and stuff, all the stuff from the Mad Magazine. It was, yeah, that was, our... that was definitely a uh, a magazine that I bought every week. And I and it's funny because I used to buy Mad Magazine mostly for Spy versus Spy. I love Spy versus Spy. Yeah, uh, I don't remember Spy versus Spy. That was the uh, the white-suited spy and the black-suited spy. In each episode, they were trying to do something and would kill the other one. So if white killed the black one in the first one, then it was reversed. Oh, it also okay. became a popular video game back in the 80s. It was for Commodore 64 and the old computers. Really? Yeah, yep. actually, MTV, like, I was always a late-night owl, like, 
If you're up at like one, two in the morning, they'd have reruns of Monty Python. You could watch that. That was where I first got exposed to was watching the reruns at one, two in the morning on MTV. Yeah. Yep. Let's see. Weird Al, he actually, Weird Al is a very smart person. Okay. He's very intelligent. He started school a year earlier than most kids. Uh, he skipped the second grade. He was so smart, they, they boosted him ahead of grade. Uh, because he got boosted ahead of grade, he was labeled the nerd in school, which, you know, kids love to make fun of you back then, boy, you know. You, oh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't want to skip a grade. All of a sudden, you're the nerd or the book geek or whatever. Uh, he graduated valedictorian. Um, he went on to college. He has a bachelor's degree in architecture, which I didn't know he could build your house, I guess, if he wanted to. But uh, Yep. Yeah, because yes. he... I think that the story behind that was he wanted something. He told his father he would go into something in case the music didn't work. So he would have something to fall back on. Uh, so he went go. into architecture. All right. So I guess I never knew how he met the guy, but I guess Dr. Demento, he's Southern California based radio show. And, uh, his parents banned him from listening to the show, so he had to find a, the discreet ways to listen like we all did. I remember going in the basement with my friends, and we'd turn on the stereo and put it low to listen to the cassette tape, all the Eddie Murphy albums, because parents didn't want you listening to that stuff. So Now, did you listen to um, Dr. Demento when he was on in Boston? No, I didn't. No. He was he was on Sunday nights at 9. It was a funny combination, because he was from Sunday nights from 9 to 10, and right after him was... Uh, Dr. Ruth. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. Sunday <laughs> night. It was on uh, BCN locally. Was it? Really? Well, what do you yeah. remember from the show back then? I mean, what was... Uh, what he would do is he would highlight certain things, and then they'd, they'd do what they call the five funnies of the week, where it was kind of their countdown on what he was requested to play. So that would always there at the end of the show. And sometimes, like I said, he'd have Weird Al on there and talk about his newest album or whatever. But yeah, Doctor, I think you can still get those through his uh, website, the old Dr. Demento. Yeah, shows. it was more local stuff that he did rather than the mainstream stuff to expose new people. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I guess in 1976, uh, Dr. Demento actually spoke at his Alice High School. That was how he first met him. And at 16 years old, now this takes God, at 16 years old, dude's in school, walked up to Dr. Demento and said, here, here's a homemade tape I made of some parodies in my bedroom. Would you listen yep. to them? Dr. Domeno took it, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, I guess. Right? <laughs> so, uh, let's see. The first song, Belvedere Cruising, I guess it was about his family's car. And uh, the doctor chose to play that one, Belvedere Cruising, about his family's car on the, uh, on the radio. And that pretty much launched his career right there, as you said. Did you, but I mean, at uh, 16, would you have the guts to do something like that? Oh, God, no. No, yeah, could I you imagine I mean, someone, someone going up and seeing someone like that? I couldn't do it. You I know? just everybody says, "Why didn't you do comedy when you were young?" It's like, well, when you're young, you're looking for approval. You want to fit in. At my age, I don't care what other people think. But at, at exactly. sixteen, you care what other people think. You know? Exactly. And it's funny. I don't. Speaking of their family car, did you see? Uh, I think it was three or four years ago, just before the COVID outbreak. He had did a show with uh, Jay Leno. I believe Jay Leno had the car that he had growing up and he went like went and picked Al up and they were doing like that in-car interview that Jay Leno made so popular. I think I've heard it. of that. I heard Jay doing something like that with him. I can't say I've seen it, but I have yep. heard about it. Yeah. And I think he brought his accordion and played his accordion while Jay drove. It was really good. 
That's sad. Jay Leno's a very underrated comedian. I mean, not that he's yeah. underrated. He had the, you know, he's a, he's known as the great, you know, talk show host. But I mean, as an actual comedian, he's very, very underrated because he don't put much I, out. He said, you know, because he don't want to write new material. So. Yeah, I have never seen Jay Leno stand up, but I would love to see. Yeah, him. I've heard he's like really one of the best, but you don't see much of it because you can't put it on YouTube and watch it. You got to go see him live. Oh, smart yep. move. He's making money. Yep. So let's see. Uh, once Dr. Demento started playing his song on the radio, he started playing local coffee shops with his dorm room buddy, Joel Miller, playing on the bongos for him. Uh, I guess in college when I was there, he actually he became a DJ himself at uh, KCPR College Radio. And he took the name Weird Al from kids making fun of him. I mean, it was always an insult. They called him Weird Al in school. And he took the insult. They, they, and he actually he made his, his DJ name was Weird Al because you know, turn that insult into that'll be my actual name. And I guess he's yep. probably laughing at all those kids nowadays. Yeah, who's weird now? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Do you know what his real name is? What's that? Do you know what his real name is? Weird Al? No, I've only known him as Weird Al. I don't know. It's uh, Al Alfred Matthews Yankovic. Alfred, yeah, right, yeah. So Weird Al. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember at school, I was always the biggest kid there. Everybody called me big guy. By the time I was in yep. my high school yearbook, I put that thing. What's your saying? I put big guy. Everybody called me. It was like an insult to me. But at that time, all right, I'm big guy. I'm going with it. Why not? So. Exactly. Oh, let's see. Uh, let's see. My Sharona became a huge hit on the charts when he wrote My Bologna, sent it to Dr. Demento. Um, it became so requested on the Dr. Demento show that Dr. Demento sent it to Capitol Records, who he was uh, connected to, and they decided yep. to release it as a single. I mean, that that's just, that's a storybook thing right there. I mean, you know. It really is, because back then, like I said, you know, Weird Al, when he had, or not Weird Al, when Dr. Demento would uh, make an album, he made albums back in the late 70s, early 80s, he would take things like that. He would take the local stuff and run with it and all of his albums i don't know if you've ever seen any of them it is just a mishmash of everything and the album cover is basically dr demento and in the back you can see his studio with all of his records and stuff right. but i mean can you imagine how many artists contact capital records wanting you know hey can you just take a listen to this i mean to actually choose you know choose l but they gave him a yeah, smug recording contract out of it off yep. of my balloon off of that single i mean that's like a storybook. It's a fairy tale. That don't that don't happen in real life. You don't just send your album to Capitol Records and they give you a six month recording contract. Oh no, because the way they used to do it is if you send anything to Capitol Records, the first thing they would do with it is throw it in the trash. Yeah, right. Because they didn't want to be accused of anything, right. so they throw it in the trash. You know, it's not like today where everyone's you know a megastar with auto tuned and everything else. Right. It actually was really, really hard to get into the music industry. Yeah, where nowadays, I mean, the internet's made it a lot easier when everybody and the brother can do it. But back yep. then, I said, even being a comedian, I do stand-up comedy. Back then, if you want to be a serious comedian, you had to sell everything you own, hop in the car, go to L.A. or New York. There was no there was no local comedian you weren't getting nowhere. You had to literally go out there and... and go, go to the it. mega... The, the big comedy clubs um, of the time. Like you said, you went to Dangerfields. Yeah. That was, you know, a big one of the time. And, you know, back then, 
like you said, the only way to make in comedy is is New York or LA. That, that was it. it. You know, you, you couldn't do it from the internet like we're doing here. You can be anywhere nowadays. Back then, you really had to give up a lot if you wanted to pursue your dream. Yep. All right. So Weird Al decided they were going to perform live on the Dr. Demento show, which uh, I don't know if you ever perform live. They're doing comedy. It's a whole lot. You don't get no take one, take two, take three. Live. <laughs> no more takes. That's it. But uh, yeah. When it's live, that's it. He decided, uh, he wrote another one. Another one rides the bus as a parody to Queens. Another one bites the dust, obviously. Uh, outside the studio, actually, he met drummer John Schwartz, who was hanging out there. And John agreed just to, to bang on his accordion case to add a beat to him in the background. And they yeah. only rehearsed in the hallway like two, three times before they did it live. I mean, there was no, you know, getting ready John for this. And John Bermuda Schwartz, that's what they call him. Yeah, and that uh, they did it live. The song became so popular. Uh, he was invited to do an appearance on uh, The Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder in 1981, which was television, okay? No. Oh, my God, Tomorrow. I remember that show. Do you remember <laughs> that show, Dennis? Yeah, again, that's the, that's the thing, you know, dreams are made of right there, you know? Yep, because that was on, like I said, way before... Um, well, that, that was on after David Letterman at the time was tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, again, he played the accordion and uh, John played, you know, tapped on his uh, accordion case. And uh, you yep. can catch it on YouTube. It's actually, it's been remastered. Somebody digitally remastered it. Did an excellent yep. job, but I strongly suggest the listeners catch it on YouTube. It's really something to be, something to be said. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, the record label went bankrupt two weeks after uh, his song hit, so he got no royalties from it. So they picked up the song Bologna, then they went bankrupt. So having all that success and you get no money from it, but you get a little bit of fame anyway. That goes somewhere, right? That word of mouth. Let's that's, see, all, that's all you can ask. 81, Dr. Domeno put him on his uh, live stage show he did in Arizona. And while he was showing on the live show, he caught the eye of manager... Uh, Jay Levy was blown away by Weird Al's, uh, you know, just taking control of the crowd like that, where you said everybody's yep. chanting along with him. That's the stuff you dream about. Uh, he put him on tour, uh, opening for Missing Persons, which I don't know. You remember Missing Persons? Or I have no idea. I have no idea who they were, but if he's opening for them, there was something, I guess. Uh, he went on to write uh, a couple more popular's I Love Rocky Road and uh, Ricky, uh, yep. you know, parody to Mickey. Um, he hit a young TV in the top 100. I mean, which if you know, you know how many people are on MTV. Like every artist on there, you're in the top 100. You know, you got some yeah. parody songs in with the actual mix of regular. You know, the Aerosmiths and the ACDCs and the Van Halen. That that's yep. talking right there. Yeah, the ZZ Tops and everything yeah. else. So he decided to quit college to do it uh, full time after having that kind of success. Which, uh, again, that's a gutsy move right there, but he, he decided to make it. Uh, his second album he released was obviously Eat It, which that one, that just launched him to another level of success. Uh, yeah, the I believe the name of the, the album was In 3D, was the name of the album. In 3D, okay. Yeah. And Michael and Jackson's be... song went on to be so big, how could, you know, how could he not become? Yep. And it's funny because that wasn't, was supposed to be the hit of the album the last song on the album which is called nature trail to hell in 3d 
that was the one he was hoping would be the big hit off the album. Right. That's why he called it in 3D. So that's the story of how we got to start and got going right there. I mean, the rest was history. He was a major yep. star after that. Uh, he opened for the Monkees in the 1987 Second Reunion Tour. I, you imagine opening for the Monkees? <laughs> I can't the even imagine. Monkees for him nowadays, but I guess back then, yeah. Yep. Um, uh, let's see. Well, I mentioned earlier, is UHF the classic? You know, like you said, it's a cult classic, but it didn't do good. It opened up against uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, and License to Kill the James Bond movie. So that yeah, that's tough competition right there, man. Yeah, that's that's some really tough competition. Yeah, let's go see the new movie over those three. I don't know about that, but... Uh, yeah, I know it. I can imagine. His, uh, his career slumped for a few years after that. And... Yep. Uh, he wanted to do a comeback. He wanted to parody Michael Jackson's song, Black or White, with a song called Snack All Night. But Michael yep. Jackson denied him. He said that Black or White's a serious, you know, subject that he didn't want to make fun of it. And, um, and there were a few artists that did that to well, him. Well, there were, yeah, they, a lot of all of them wanted to really put him. But uh, so instead he parodied Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit and uh, Smells Like Nirvana. Yep. You remember that video? Yeah, that was it. Was basically a screen for screen parody of "Smells Like Teen Spirit." I mean, he had the long. Um, he looked basically like Kurt Cobain in it, and it kind of had was similar but different. You know what I mean? It almost took it uh, frame for frame, which I think was the first time when he did a music video. He did that. I mean, you look at some of the other stuff like that he did, like uh, like a surgeon. That one. Um, it was more uh it was way away from uh madonna's version but this to me i think was the first time he almost did it frame for frame with nirvana's video well i heard he called kurt cobain and that was kurt said that was when he knew he made it when weird al wanted to cover one of his songs and he was like what are you gonna do about food he's like no i want to do it nobody understands your lyrics he's like all right i guess that could be funny yeah go ahead (laughs) (laughs) simple about it but Okay, apparently they're telling me I only got five minutes left here, which I didn't get because I thought we had unlimited time if it was the two of us, but first time I've seen this, so let's cruise. We, right we ran here. into the issue, too. Yeah, usually I get as long as I want, and all of a sudden, if it's over yep. two people, it was, but no, I guess not anymore. All right. Yep. So uh, he concentrated uh, nowadays on using as much stage, as stage space as he could for his live shows, to really put on an elaborate show he didn't want to just stand there and sing the music he wanted it to be like a major like a broadway show or something and and like i can say i've seen him so many times like he'll switch he switches in and out of costumes between song like when yeah, he does that she did that she'd like she'd be singing a song walk through a door and the second she walked through be in a different outfit like nobody could yep. figure out how she did it but yeah we're yeah he did really- he does the exact same thing did some elaborate stuff uh 1999 he released running with scissors where he went with his new look with long hair and no mustache, which his mustache was his trademark thing back in the day. Yep. Uh, he did MTV Unplugged, which did you see MTV? I mean, I remember the show. I love the show, but I don't remember seeing any Weird Al on it. I don't remember seeing Weird Al doing it Unplugged. Unplugged. No, but I'll have to get that one on YouTube. I mean, it's got to be something to see, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. 2018, he got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, let's see. He asked Lady Gaga for permission um and she wouldn't uh, do one of her songs she wouldn't give him permission so he released yep. it for free on the internet so he didn't make any money off it then after 
he released it for free. She liked it so much, she gave him permission to go ahead and release it. So, you know, the person who turned him down the most and it really bothered yeah. him to turn him down was Prince. Prince, he was one of the guys. He, yeah, he had, he had a all the people who turned him down. Yeah, yeah. Well, then you mentioned Madonna's like a surgeon, and they said the reason she let him do it was it was a proven fact when he parodied one of his songs that the actual artist's album sales would go up. They'd make money once he parodied everything. So Madonna saw money there was why she wanted to do it. You can't blame her. Yeah, she's <laughs> a very smart businesswoman. Yeah, more money involved right there. Uh, he wanted to do uh, Fat, which parodied Michael Jackson's Bad. Uh, let's Lasagna see, he a was vegetarian. Another... Did you know he was a vegetarian? Yes. Him and his wife are vegetarians. And I know that one of the things when uh, when he went to concert is that you had to have the uh, vegetarian candy. Okay. That was one of the things that he requested in his request in his dressing room. Here's one I didn't know is just the average fan of him. I mean, you're a big time fan, but his parents were found dead of carbon monoxide poisoning from a fireplace. So he lost yes. both his parents at the same time. Yep. And when notified, he went on to perform the show and he said, you know, laughter has helped so much in so many of my fans. He thought that laughter might help him through. He wouldn't have to sit there and think about it. He'd be forced to perform. I mean, do you think you could perform yep. a night you were told your parents passed away or? No, I, I couldn't. Couldn't do it, yeah. But No, I couldn't do it. I can't perform now. <laughs> well, I've seen, yeah, Michael Jordan, he was, he, he did when his father was, was murdered there, that he went on, he was in the finals, he went on to play, he said his father would have wanted him to, you know, he dedicated the yep. game to his dad, I guess, everybody's different. Um, yep. Let's see. Uh, all right, well, you mentioned uh, some of the more popular ones who turned him down and wouldn't let him do them were Prince's you mentioned. Uh, Kiss, they wouldn't let him parody. Kiss, he wanted to parody Kiss. Paul McCartney turned him down, but the reason was he said he wanted to make uh, To Live and Let Die, he wanted to do a parody called Chicken Pot Pie, but Paul McCartney yeah. was a vegetarian. He said he didn't want to promote nothing, you know, for people to eat chicken was why. He said he loved the idea, but he just didn't want to promote eating yep. chicken. Uh, yep. Led Zeppelin turned him down, and Eminem turned him down, so that's basically all I had on him, so we got about one minute left. Less than a minute. You, <laughs> you got one minute. What, what, what do you want? What do you want the listeners to know about Al? Uh, he is just one of the. If you get a chance to see him, go see him because you know his videos are good. But to see him live, it's just it's a whole. Like you said, it's a whole production in itself. The way he does it, it is awesome. He is a does a great job. I have I have that. A lot of people see my stuff on YouTube, and it's like. Man, you were a little rushed. I'm like, well, they only give you so many time at the major clubs, so you got to make the most. It ain't like live doing your own show where you can just relax and do what you want. If you see them on YouTube, there's restrictions. It's the same as TV, you know? If you're at a major yep. comedy club, there's restrictions. You know, they, you can really experience it, you know? I'm much better live than anything you're going to see on YouTube, but you got to get out yep. and see them. So. Uh, 